Good evening, Vancouver, and welcome back to Canucks After Dark on one of the most eventful days in like the Canucks world in quite a while. Um, we've got a ton to talk about. Rick Tockett, Jim, the big Jim Rutherford availability from this morning. And as always, to help me break it down, I have Canuck Clay. How are you doing today, Clay? Parker, I'm great. Thank you. Remember those days in the summer or sometimes even on non-game nights at the start of the season where we were worried that we didn't have enough to fill up a show? We could probably build four to six shows out of tonight's topics, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I have not had this many tabs open uh, on my computer before a show. Uh, there's got to be 30 tweets I have open and we only have about 60 minutes, so it's going to be uh pretty quick fire going through everything we also have four canucks games to talk about that we don't need to spend too much time on three wow. games to preview wow uh, it is going to be a a jam packed show today and before we do all that i know on the weekend we'll do a very quick quick recap i was in seattle i know you're watching seattle i'm sure what do you think of the seahawks playoff game the first half was good first half was great and then yeah. they started losing and i turned it off yeah, myself pain. it was actually on in the monitors in between all the bowling scores. We were, Gail and I were down there to watch Jacob bowl. He did pretty good. Uh, but yeah, so we couldn't avoid it. And we were in Seattle of all places. So anytime like Metcalf scores or whatever, everyone goes crazy and the bowlers <laughs> are trying to get me. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Actually. That's great. And a quick shout out, Coach Rob. Thank you for the five uh, gifted memberships. Much appreciated. Oh, that's awesome. Excellent. All right. Um, now. Do we want to do we, we always go over the four games or the games from the past week at the beginning? Yeah. There's so much to get through. So we're going to get through them fast as yeah. people as people slowly trickle in here. Sure. Um, so let's go all the way back to Tuesday, January 10th. And if I may, why don't I make a suggestion? Why don't um, you take Pittsburgh? I'll take Tampa. You take Florida. I'll take Carolina, and then we'll, we'll it'll go super fast that way. How's that? We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll go right. really fast on Florida because I didn't watch that game. Uh, all right. Uh, Tuesday, January 10th, uh, Canucks-Penguins. Uh, and this was a game where the Canucks had a, a three-goal lead just seven minutes in, and I said it. I was the, I was the negative Nancy at home, and I said, they'll find a way. They'll find a way to lose this one. And before you know it, by the end of the first period, it was 3-3. Three, three. Uh, and then, you know, two second period goals. Canucks almost battled back. You get Travis Dermott getting his first of the year in the third period. But really, uh, Canucks just got absolutely dominated after they scored three goals uh, and then quit. They had eight good minutes and they quit. They had 24 shots uh, while the Penguins had 36. Um, it was just an absolute disaster of a game. Yeah, and you were on game over for that one with, with Sam there. I was. I you was. did well. You did well. I Thank was worried you. about my spot for a sec. Yeah, both on this show and that show. <laughs> and then after that, two days later, we're going to go quick on this one, uh, oh. on the Pittsburgh one, going into Tampa Bay. Yeah. Um, it was funny. Sam and I were talking at the end uh, after game over. I was like, oh, no, you gave Clay the lightning? <laughs> That's... <laughs> That's and I actually had a, that for him. Yeah, I had a decent game. I, I, Lightning's my third favorite team behind Vancouver and Winnipeg. You look at the stats, and the Canucks, did, they out-hit them by 11. They out-blocked them. And I would say I agree that they – wait a sec, but before we get going, I think we should uh, recognize a massive donation that just came in. Uh, so we're not going to rush this. Thank you, Daniel. Wow. Daniel's saying happy Monday and just throwing, throwing $100 in here. Uh, thank you. Much appreciated. A happy – Happy Monday to you too. Yes, thank um, you, Daniel. We appreciate uh, that. Yeah, it's huge. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, so, not the not the most fun time for it as we're talking about a five yes. four loss, but thank you very much. We appreciate it very much. So yeah, Canucks. This one, uh, whereas the Pittsburgh one, they built up a lead, then basically got smoked. Uh, this one was more back and forth. They score. Uh, Tampa scores two. Miller scores one, and then it was four two going in the third, and you're like, oh man, maybe that's it. And then they go 5-2 with Stamkos on the power play. And that was the one where Stamkos got goal number 499. So basically for the last 50 minutes, Tampa tried, they gave up wide open scoring attempts to try and get Stamkos goal number 500. And in doing so, Quinn Hughes scores with six minutes left. PD scores with two minutes left. And then you're thinking, wow, at least, sure, they didn't tie it up. They lose 5-4. But I think the effort in this Tampa game was a lot better maybe than the effort in the Pittsburgh game. So fans weren't, they knew it was going to be a tough one, 
but they weren't overly upset after this one. And you forgot that Connor Garland got punched real good in the face by Mikhail Sergachev. Oh my gosh, you're right. This was the game. Thanks. I know we're trying to go fast, but there was four storylines. Yeah, Connor Garland gets punched in the head by Sergachev. Doesn't get a penalty, but does get a five thousand dollar fine. Tanner Pearson's diagnosis was diagnosis. We'll talk about later. Came out. Oil was scratched. I almost forgot about that. And then Travis Dermott left this game with injury. So I remember four big storylines from that game alone. Yeah, and uh, spoiler alert, Steven Stamkos still has 499 goals. Oh, um, no, no. Yes, who the Canucks play on Wednesday. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's it's just setting up, of course, because of, of course it is. Of course. Um, yeah, uh, is that all you wanted to say about the Tampa game? We're good. Why don't you do the other Florida game? That's fine. Uh, <laughs> Florida, I literally didn't watch this game. Why are you making me? Did you watch this game? No, I was in Seattle. Oh, all right. Well, then, uh, yeah, Stanika scored. Myers scored. Horvat got his 30th. That was supposed to be Pedersen's goal on the power play. But oh, that's Pedersen right. Somehow, Pedersen somehow still does not have a power play goal this year, which makes no sense. Um, I mean, 52 points in 41 games. He's on a 100-point pace, doesn't have a power play goal all what? season. Yeah, absurd. Uh, Horvat probably has, you know, Horvat has 11. Uh, took all of them. So, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's pretty ridiculous. But um, uh, Canucks, you know, 38 shots in this one. I think Bobrovsky had a good night. Um, but, yeah, I don't think either of us watched this game. So not much for t- us to, to break down. I will say, yes, we had we did have 38 shots. But I'm not sure you saw the highlights. Bobrovsky is actually the three goals that got past him were all from distance. Uh, two oh, of them, really? he didn't he didn't move, actually. So people were joking, like, is he actually blind? Because, uh, yeah, the goals just came from way back the point and he didn't he literally didn't move that's wild um yeah and and then we'll go to carolina you yeah this I, one? yeah i could do this one pretty quick that this was yesterday and this was another game where <laughs> man carolina scores early on a stanika giveaway then on a miller giveaway so now it's two nothing then the second uh, period, Ethan Bear scores on another thing that we, we got to mention too is Ethan Bear scores on a day basically within minutes of finding out that Canucks fan favorite and legend Gino Ojek passes away. So a nice connection there as Ojek has been known as one of uh, Bear's mentors. So Bear scores, not only is that a good story, against the team that he used to play with. And Daniel Hammond, another $50 donation. I know I, I keep getting interrupted, but it's a good interruption. Thank you very much for uh, single-handedly funding. No, that's awesome. We appreciate it. Uh, uh, it is a happy Monday indeed. So thank you, Daniel. Thank you for the support. Yeah, JT Not Miller's- the prettiest hockey nowadays, but I oh, guess yes. we're used to it. Yeah, um, yeah. we will get into uh, into that. Uh, Explains a sure, lot. Thank you very yes. much. Thank you, Daniel. JT Miller ties it up, 2-2. And then it looks like the Canucks is going to be all for naught as Aho scores on a beautiful... He was going so fast. I can't believe how fast he was skating. I think yeah. Delia was still still backing up into his net right now. And he scores with three minutes left, but then a beautiful play, six on four, six on five, or six, yeah, six on five, and the Canucks kept the the puck in about two or three different times. Miller made a nice play at the line. Hughes did some great board work, and Horvat shoots, and Besser comes from behind the net and slaps it past the goalie, and then an awesome overtime back and forth, great chances, and then the Canucks, I can't believe it, Parker, they scored two of their three shootout chances, Kuzmenko and Petey with the Forsberg. And the Canucks yeah. actually come home winning a game. Yeah, and JT Miller not scoring in the shootout, which is pretty rare. You know, he yes. did his, his classic coming in slow down the left side, uh, yeah. which, you know, works really well. Um, that doesn't work, but Patterson doing the Forsberg like he does apparently once every two years now. He got one in 2019, 2021, now one in 2023. Yeah, um, yeah he is, uh, he's got pretty sweet hands. So not the best for the tank, right? Um, yeah. But, you know, they, they're, you're, you're not going to lose them all. You can't lose every game, um, but losing four in a row and then winning in a shootout. And then, you know, you look at their games coming up, uh, Tampa, Colorado and Edmonton this week, <laughs> all at home, which they have not been good at home. Uh, very real possibility that the Canucks still have the same amount of wins when we reconvene in a week. That's true. It's just ironic, regardless of what you want them to do, how many games you want them to win. It's ironic that the one game they do win is indeed uh, against the second best team in the entire NHL. And by the way, Parker, at the game, another free the skate appearance, uh, sighting in the crowd. This one looked a little bit more uh, forced, if if that's a, bit, a good way to put it, because you li- literally saw her get ready and almost wait for a cue to hold up the sign, and then she gets escorted out for a little skit with the Carolina Hurricanes uh, mascot. So not sure what's happening there. 
Yeah, I know. Uh, I think you know Trent on Twitter has been yes. really pushing this. Detective uh, Trent. He's had it since day one. Yeah. Um, that this this thought that the Canucks are doing some deep, you know, marketing ploy on releasing the skate jersey, uh, and just crazy conspiracy level stuff that seems like it's right, <laughs> which is, you know, they he kind of like snuck in and and got the upper hand on on the marketing team. Um, I mean, well played uh, on that part. You know, who knows when they, they're actually going to make that move if they do. Yep. Um, but, you know, we have the leak earlier this week, which is like your shirt, but missing the white part on it now. It is, yes. Um, which I think is fine. It's the Fanatics version, so it's going to be bad anyways. Um, <laughs> they make terrible jerseys. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, it does seem forced. It, it's, yeah, yes, but, and, not a but, because uh, both can be true, force, but, and <laughs> it has people chatting about it like we just did for mm-hmm. a couple minutes. It has definitely people on Twitter talking about. It. So when they eventually, if they eventually do this, and it's been rumored for a long time now that the third jersey is going to be uh, back to the flying skate with some modifications, I will reserve judgment until I see it. But uh, I, it's got people talking. And if that's the point of marketing, then then good job then. It, yeah, it, it, absolutely. It, it You don't get the surprise part of it now true. like true, when it true, happened true. like that would have been like if they just randomly like skate out in warm-ups with their regular jerseys on and then came out for the game um oh. especially if they figured out a way to do like breakaway like you know like <laughs> like a breakaway jersey they just pull it off and it's and, and then socks and they got the the black skate gear on that would have been really cool probably a little bit unrealistic but uh it would have been cool if it was like a random surprise right yeah, yeah. um but uh, you know, it's it's something they've been pushing for. The Canucks need some positive PR, um, so yep. that would be a. And you know, I, I'm sure when they initially planned this out, if they did, um, and you know, um, you know, Ali's article, the Botchford Project, might kind of hinted at it as well, um, with with what Horvat said. Yeah. Um, would have been. I'm sure they would have really liked to be doing this while they were like pushing for like actually in a playoff spot, and then do the black skate for the push for the playoffs. Like that would have been sweet, but. You know, it's going to kind of fall flat um, on a team that's not doing so well. Yeah. Well, well, when do you think they're going to actually do it? I don't know. I don't know what the, because can they only do it like five times? Right. I don't know what the rules are. Yeah. Um, and, and I thought you have to like pre approve it way in advance, but I don't know. I, okay. I imagine it would be kind of soon because it seems to be like buzzing now. Yeah. Um, you don't know how long it'll. Yeah, they can. That's a really good point. How long could can they like a, draw it like out? This Saturday, even right, like a hockey night in Canada or something like that, would probably yeah. be the best time to do it. Yeah. Um, and you know, unless they're in, you know, just looking at their next few games, like next few Saturdays, there's no marquee games like Boston on February 25th at home. But even yeah. that's a four o'clock start. So like, yeah. you know, maybe Toronto on March 4th, also a four o'clock start. Yeah. I don't know. It, it feels like it's got to be soon if they're if they're making this push for it. And I don't think you do Lunar New Year because all the the focus will be on the Lunar New Year jersey. Right. Um, so yeah, then you're you're right. Good point. You're either looking at the Saturday, or maybe even before that. So we'll we'll right. see. You're not we'll going to do it. You're yeah. not going to do it on a on a Monday night against Detroit. Right? <laughs> they only play four home games in all of February. Yeah. Yeah. Because you have the All Star break at the end of the month. Okay. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Interesting. Interesting mm. side story, but no time for side stories today. No. Uh, Rick Tockett? Because that yeah. happened, I guess, earlier in the week, all the, the thoughts around that. Yeah. Um, you have Elliot Friedman uh, on Hockey Night in Canada uh, on Saturday, basically saying, when and if the coaching change comes, I do believe it's going to be Rick Tockett. You had Kevin Weeks tweeting earlier today about Rick Tockett in the Pacific Northwest and, and all of these you know, it, it's too much smoke to not be fire at this point. Yeah. Um, so it seems like, you know, they're waiting for, I guess, maybe it to like give notice for his TV job or something like that. I heard. And then like when that's up, then they'll make the move. Um, so a couple of things. One, we got to talk about what we think of Rick Tockett and also what we think about Boudreaux basically being in this situation of of just being like left out to dry knowing that he's being replaced in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. It's, it's really sad. I, I think it's sad. Actually. I remember back in a game in late November, early December when I, I was at the game and there was rumors already that Tockett was going to be the replacement 
right then and there that he was in town. It turns out he was in town, but for someone's hockey tournament or something. So already the rumors started way back then. And then, yeah, how long does it take for him to get out of his TNT contract? All these things. I don't know much about Tockett as a coach. I know he's got a he's got a relationship with Rutherford. What I do know is I hate seeing Boudreaux in his post-game media conferences, uh, Scrum, saying stuff like, well, until they tell me not, I'm going to sh- keep showing up to work until they tell me not to. How is that uh, positive or redeeming in any way? I feel yeah. so bad, man. I feel so bad. Yeah, and we got a we got a quote from Horvat yesterday after after last night's game saying, "quote Obviously, everyone hears it. It can't be easy. I'm sure it's not easy on him hearing that kind of stuff. We continue to battle for him. He's a really good person, a good coach. Everyone wants to play for him. So, like, you know, is this team gonna feel inspired with a new coach at the helm? I mean, we did this last year, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, in the, especially like mid season change, like not sticking it out till the end of the year. Um." Like, are they going to rally behind Rick Tockett? Is Rick Tockett going to be like an immediate scapegoat in the dressing room? Like, who knows? All right. Like, are they going to, you know, who knows how that relationship will end up being? But yeah, it feels weird to just sort of have Boudreaux hanging by a thread when like you could, you could name Yo an interim, right? Like mm-hmm. he's, he has NHL experience. It's not like you're winning. It's not like you're pushing to win hockey games at this point, right? Like, let the man be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's unfortunate. And it's, Parker, what am I missing here? His coaching record is not, not good. good. He had two good. seasons in Tampa, four in Arizona. I, I'm seeing 178, 260. So he's 22 games under 500. And he's made the playoffs once. His team's made the playoffs once in six years. And they lost in the first round. So what am I missing? Because four years were Arizona? I don't know. Yeah. Um... <sighs> I I don't know. So let's let's start with yeah. If we if you go to his coaching section on HockeyDB, for example, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's nothing good. He has been a head coach six seasons in the NHL total. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, his first season, so he was an assistant for Colorado in two of their pretty good years, oh two oh three oh three oh four. Um, right, two two very good seasons. Um, and then he was the assistant in Phoenix 0506 then for the lightning 0809 then took the head coaching job for the latter half of the season um for Tampa Bay in 2008 2009 uh mm-hmm. 66 games they won 19 of them um but he was a midseason replacement like the lightning weren't good at this time right um and then he goes the second season uh 2009 2010 um and they go 34 and 36 so they do improve right like they they did improve under uh under talk it you know they mm-hmm. went from uh i it's so hard to see what their record was um but it was better it was slightly better um and then he was let go he didn't come back for 2010 2011 uh assistant three years in pittsburgh uh under jim rutherford 2014, right, right. 2017 um for three seasons there and then he got poached by the coyotes to be their head coach and in four seasons with arizona they were mediocre 29 41 and 12 in their first year like a bit they won 29 out of 82 games that's bad they got better the second year though i mean you look at their roster right and it's like okay well that was the year that ekman larson had 42 points and and Clayton Keller put up 65 as a rookie, right? Yes, yes. Like they didn't have any good players, you know. And then there's their next year they improved, 39 wins in 82 games. They were they were over 500, 524. Uh, the year after that, they make the playoffs in the um, in the bubble, uh, going 33 and 29 and eight in 70 games. So again, just over 500. And then 2020, 2021. They uh, in the 56 game shortened season, they go 24, 26 and six and miss out on the playoffs in that season as well. You look at the lineups, though, and we're talking about Phil Kessel being the star of this team. Right. And, and yeah. names like Derek Broussard and, you know, Lawson Krause having to have significant roles on these teams. So is it a Rick Tockett issue that these teams were bad or I mean, he's only ever been a head coach for bad teams. The problem yeah. is, if he's the head coach of this team, he's once again the head coach of a pretty bad team, right? Mm-hmm. He hasn't dragged a, a, a bad team into the playoffs, right? You could maybe you could say 2019, 2020 Arizona, but I mean, that was the expanded playoffs, right? Sure. So 
it, it's it's not the it's not like a glowing coaching record like we sort of saw from Boudreaux when he got hired. It's like, well, he's a fantastic regular season coach, right? Maybe not in the playoffs, but he's a great regular season coach. Um, you know, we're not we're not even really getting that here. Yeah, no, good breakdown. And I, I like what you said before. He took a second ho- head coaching stint in Arizona. He was assistant in three years and and like you said that's when rutherford was the gm and they won two cups in there so there's the familiarity we're wondering about or looking at uh chris makes a really good point he says i don't believe he's going to want to coach another team that's struggling immensely so he was there when arizona was basically bottoming out maybe maybe he's a, a masochist he likes this <laughs> like he likes uh, uh, harming himself and then he wants to come to another uh, another tough situation I, I don't know I, I don't know enough about it I, then I was reading up on the gambling incident he was reinstated back in 2008 so there's a, uh, whatever that, that was 15 years ago I, I just don't know Parker if he's the best candidate right now if he's the most available candidate right now or yeah simply Rutherford does trust him because he, he admires him from his work almost a decade ago with him I don't know yeah you gotta wonder if it's that or if you know maybe talk it's looking here because Vancouver is one of the only teams looking for him at this true, point, right? True. You know, the good, the good, the best teams in the NHL usually aren't looking for new coaches. That that is mm-hmm. kind of how it goes. Um, and you know, maybe he's not getting. You know, he's got a, a you know a TNT job. He might. Yep. You know, the Canucks might have been the only people calling. Um, you know, are there better options out there? Maybe, probably. I would guess. You know, it's kind of tough to. You know, I, yeah. I'm not. You know, it's hard for us to say who's a good coach, who's a bad coach, right? We said it with Travis Green. It was like, you know, like we, you get sort of, you can get a vibe, but, and you can see like, oh, the Canucks are playing terrible defensively and really good offensively. Is that personnel? Is that coaching? Probably yeah. both. Um, and so we'll see. But I mean, it's Tockett's coaching style is a very defensive style from everything that I've heard. Right. Um, now this team's defense is really bad. So being better at defense would be great. However, <laughs> he also, you know, has been said to stifle offense, um, yeah. like in a pretty dramatic way, um, which is not really what you want either. Right. So yeah. it, it's again, it will, it'll have to be seen uh, if they do go the Rick Tockett route. But sure. um, I'm not like inspired. You know, I was just looking at his playing stats, and uh, like many old guys, he played before you were even born, partner. But this guy, listen to his penalty minutes 181, 284, 288, 299, 183. So 252. So, close to 300 that one. Yeah. So he, he was not only an enforcer, and I think we're going to pay tribute to another enforcer in a couple minutes, but he. Uh, he was good. Like his points, 39, 35, 40. Then he goes 64, 81, 96. And then it, it, uh, his pinnacle was a 109-point season with Pittsburgh. They obviously had some very good offensive players with him. But this guy was not only tough, but he was actually a, a very skilled player as well. So um, you know, that obviously that doesn't translate automatically to coaching. But there is some pedigree here, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. He was a good player. He's been a coach for six years, at least as a head coach now um, building his rep also as a, a, a good a, a good analyst so um yeah it's not the worst hire i don't know if it's the best hire but maybe it's one of the best hires that are out there right now that 92 93 stat line is, is absurd 48 yeah. goals 61 assists for 109 points 109 points third on the team Lemieux had 160 in only 60 games that year. Oh, man. Uh, and Kevin Stevens had 111 points. Wow. Um, Rick Tockett, 252 pims that year as well. So he spent four <laughs> minutes of every game in the penalty box. Then no wonder. He 109 he, points. Wow. Wow. And only had three more penalty minutes than Ulf Samuelson on the same team, who had 249. Wow. Those uh, were the days, man. What those were the days. <laughs> that, is, that is absurd. Um, but yeah, it's just, just crazy numbers. Yep. Yep. Okay. So what, when do you think this happens? Uh, um, again, looking at the schedule, uh, I don't know. Is it going to be the next week? Do you think? Oh man. I don't know. You you do it at home. I heard uh, American and Friedman talking about this morning. You do it at home to avoid the Gerard Gallant, take a cab situation. (laughs) Uh, Right. 
So that would be by the, I mean, they play every game at home the rest of the month, except a Wednesday in Seattle, which is basically home. Yeah. So it could be any time over the next two weeks. And they're on the road for most of uh, February and you're not going to do it during all-star weekend at the end of the Mm -hmm. month. So yeah, you would think in the next, basically the next 11 days is sort of the, the time frame. Do you do it before all-star week just to, well, it's going to make headlines no matter what. It will be the first coach fired in the NHL this season. But does you'd that want kinda... to do it well. I think you'd want to do it this week then, right? Because you don't want mm-hmm. to do it right before All-Star Weekend and have that be like one of their segments during the All-Star <laughs> game, right? That's true. That's true. I don't know. There's no winning. Yeah. Uh, Kai says, All-Star break, I think. Friedman just said on his written pod, 32 thoughts that he doesn't expect it this week. Would you Fair enough. make yeah, make sense? Yeah. Before we get to Rutherford's presser, uh, we give, given that we just talked about penalty minutes and stuff, uh, a few minutes on Gino, is that cool? Absolutely. Yeah, Canucks legend Gino Ogic passed away on the weekend, 52 years old. He was drafted by the Canucks way back in 1990, played eight seasons with the Canucks before moving on to a couple other teams. And um, yeah, it, it's a very, very sad day. In 2014, actually 2015, he was... Uh, diagnosed with a, a life-threatening heart condition and he was only given a few months to live and he almost started to do his farewell tour back in 2014-15 and then uh, showing his fighting spirit he outlives that prognosis by eight or nine years so that's a that's a testament to how strong he is and I, I feel you know um, I, I feel strong about this not I, I was blessed to talk on a couple of radio interviews today but more importantly this was when I was growing up uh, watching the team the first iteration of the flying skate back in that team in the 94 that made it to the Stanley Cup finals. And you got what, and I know many people in here, like Nux fan number 29 and others, um, they are old enough to remember him actually playing. And, and that's not to, people have seen highlights of him, that's fine too. But you got to know this about Gino. Penalty minutes, listen to this, like 348, 370, 371. So he was almost approaching 400 penalty minutes a game, not, I, I mean, a season, not 300. But he, he was also a decent skater for his size, and he had really good hands. Like, not amazing, but his, his peak was 29 points, 16 goals, playing alongside Pavel Bure, yes. And the way that him and Pavel Bure forged a friendship in this market, uh, two outsiders, so to speak. Uh, uh, Ogic from the, the um, indigenous community, Pavel Bure coming over from Russia, two guys that kind of joining the team at the same time, and their friendship is, is legendary. So... Rest in peace, Gino. We we think good thoughts for his family as they as they deal with this loss. But um, a Canucks legend, a Canucks fan favorite, maybe Parker winds up as a Ring of Honor. I don't see his jersey getting retired, respectfully. Mm-hmm. But certainly, um, there's room in the rafters for for a Ring of Honor, and yeah. uh, that might be an appropriate place for to to remember him. A way to seems, remember him. It seems like a slam dunk, really, yeah. right? Like yeah. it's kind of the definition of the Ring of Honor, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and yeah, there's so many, uh, we won't rehash them here. We simply don't have time, but there's many stories coming out of, of Gino, of how he got traded the, when he beat up Jason Strudwick cause he got traded for each other, basically in the lineage. There's so many funny stories, but, uh, yeah. And I just remember, I, I remember the highlight of him, um, fighting three St. Louis blues and then skating around with no Jersey and no pads on his back. He was, literally had no Jersey on his back as he pounded away on Adam Creighton. So some really funny, funny stories. Um, and I, Parker, I'm really curious, given our, our age gap and the fact that he played, his peak was before uh, your, uh, what, have, what do you know of him from a standpoint of, what have you heard just from what you've seen and what you hear other people talking about? Yeah, it's basically everything you said, right? Yeah. Like, the, like every time I've been at a game and, and he's been there and they've cut to him, right? Like yes. just the, the roar of the crowd is very telling, right? When I mentioned like slam dunk for the ring of honor, right? Like that's what it's for. Yeah. That's why, right? Yes. You could put anyone on on the Jumbotron at any game. You know, if you put, you're talking about a guy, if, if you're putting a guy who had, you know, 140 points as a Canuck, for example, um, that you're putting on, uh, you know, on the big screen, no one is getting that reaction other, than, point. other than Gino was, right? Um, so, yeah, it, it seems like such an obvious Ring of Honor candidate. Um, and mm-hmm. yeah, just, uh, yeah, basically, I, all I've heard is is good things. Yes, uh, well said, and uh, that's a really good point about the reaction from the fans when when he is shown really beloved. Um, 
very involved in the community even after he retired. So big loss. And as many, uh, we won't highlight all of them, but as many of you have uh, articulated in the chat, indeed, rest in peace to Gino Ojek. All right. Hard turn, but I think we should uh, start talking about today and uh, for the second half of the show. There's a few things that Rutherford brought up. <laughs> I actually thought I actually thought Parker that they they might delay it for one day given Gino's passing, and I don't think it was disrespectful that they they still did it because he started off his presser by by acknowledging Gino's passing and wishing uh, well wishes to the family. So uh, I, I think it was good because there was certainly a lot of things that he talked about had to address today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I and I saw J Pat saying like you know maybe the doctors are only in town or like available oh, today or whatever, right? Like all these, point. you know, who knows, right? Um, you know the the show's got to go on, so to speak, in the sports world, right? There's all, especially when it's going to be like an hour long of a press conference. Like this thing started at ten oh one, and there's tweets coming out. Like my last tweet that I have here is from ten forty three. So yep. we've got we've got a lot of ground to cover. We got thirty minutes to cover forty three minutes of content. Um, so it starts 10 1 AM, um, where they basically, they talk about Tanner Pearson for the first bunch of minutes, uh, which was such a weird thing because it seemed like such like a, a non-issue until, you know, it's like, ah, his, his hand's still not doing well. He needs another surgery. And then Quinn Hughes makes that off the cuff comment. Like that ah, was handled poorly. Now, <laughs> if that was a pun, excellent. Yeah, no, no, no. Seems like it wasn't though. Mm-hmm. Um, but they basically said, you know, he felt immediately had to be looked into. Um, the the doctor, William Reagan, says in the course of doing this review, I provide a timeline, blah, 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 blah. It's a report. Top priority is Pearson safety and full recovery. Basically just speaking generally, saying like, yeah, it's medical stuff, surgery. Did, did you get anything from, from the Tanner Pearson segment? Um, the, the biggest thing I got from there was that... Uh, it sounds harsh. I don't mean it, but they were a, a bit covering their butt. They went through all the procedures, the timeline to show that they, and they, and it was actually good. I listened to it. They, uh, the, the two doctors were actually quite well-spoken uh, as, as you'd expect them to be because they're pretty smart guys. Well, smarter than me at least. Well, that's not saying much, but they, they went through it quite well, but they did, they did cite comp- patient confidentiality for a, uh, a couple answers that they couldn't really say how long is Pearson going to be out how what was the actual issue how come it didn't uh, heal it properly so uh, they used that answer but overall I think just to get uh, not ahead of the story but at least catch up on the story so you don't have a, a passionate 22 year old defenseman talking about something that he may or may not know everything about so I was o- actually okay with it yeah. Um, yeah the one quote that was kind of weird was uh, hopefully the right things were done, and if they weren't, hopefully they are going forward," <laughs> says Jim Rutherford. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully, <laughs> I guess that one. Yeah, it's just kind of a, a weird, uh, a weird one. That that That's one fair. that got a lot of pushback uh, on on Twitter, especially. Hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> um, then we got a, a Demco update saying they're not going to rush him back. Uh, we feel he's progressing. That's what we hope for. We see him, we hope to see him back here in the re- relatively near future. I think we're both of the same mindset that there is no need to rush that or yeah. go back. Um, let yeah. Martin and Delia put up eight eighties, eight nineties, and and that's fine. If there, yeah, if there's one in season two, indeed, uh, make sure that he's okay. In fact, be a little bit overcautious that he's okay. I'm all for it as well. Let me get to the good stuff. Mm. The big quote. Quote, I'm disappointed in the job I've done to this point. That was the big one that got all the eyeballs. Uh, he did elaborate after that. He said he's disappointed by his inability to carve out cap space. Now, keep in mind, he's supposed to just be the president, not the GM. But um, insist the issue with the team isn't the core. But, quote, we may have to do some things beyond what I thought we might have to. Um, Cox have moved from needing minor surgery to major surgery maybe don't be making surgery comments today yeah that was a weird choice of words yes exactly yeah um <laughs> gets still in the mind and then all the comments are like oh it's hope it's not the same people um oh, no. <laughs> so let's start with um him being uh disappointed in the job he's done to this point especially in carving out cap space where do you land on that are you also disappointed in that realm 
I am just from the point of. Do you remember the bravado that he kind of had when he came in? Yeah, we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna fix, untangle all these cap problems, and we're gonna find ways to be available to sign good players. So I think he quickly realized Parker how much of a mess uh, that he was inheriting, and I'm not gonna fully absolve him because he, the JT Miller mess hasn't even started yet. That and he signed that contract. They signed the Garland contract. They signed the Brock Besser, the Mikheyev, and I'm not complaining about all of them. But I'm saying that he's helped con uh, contribute to the the cap mess as well. Of course, a lot of things he inherited that weren't his fault. Uh, OEL's contract, Myers, so on and so forth. So, um, but it is indeed the biggest source of his disappointment in himself. And I do think it, it was way more complicated than he anticipated. And I think it's the most frustrating thing for fans right now. Yeah, it's one of those things that was like you know, it's like uh, we did nothing and we're all out of ideas, right? Like the there there was a path to some cap freedom right yeah um not a lot that all of rick Millarson trade uh, continues to be just the absolute uh like an absolute disaster right mm -hmm. uh, on all fronts um with that contract and that was not his doing but um cap situation gets worse next year and that that is um they're doing right with the with the jt miller contract and again nothing to do with jt miller even as a player but uh you know that's eight million dollars that is now wrapped up uh that probably is tough to get rid of um if not impossible so yeah, yeah i i think rutherford has done a great job on the minor moves right like yeah. the the ethan bear andre kuzmenko yes. um yes. you know all all of those type of like things that don't move the needle too much but if you do that enough you can build a really strong system and a good team as mm -hmm. long as you don't wipe it all away with a couple of bad things and uh yeah i mean the team has not gotten better um they're in a worse spot than they were at the same time last year if i'm not mistaken yeah and there's again seemingly not much positive outlook like there's no you can't you cannot see the upward trajectory from here um because it's not like they have, you know, $30 million of cap space going to next year that they can, that they can, you know, retool with. They have no cap space next year. Um, yes. They're just going to have to fill out their roster and they're not going to get any better. So that's the, you know, that's where the, where the fan base frustration comes from. Yes. And Tyson, thanks for the correction. Yes. It was indeed Jim Benning that re-signed Connor Garland right after we traded for him. Thank you. By the mm. way, um, do you have uh, the tweet coming up where I also just talk about it, where Rutherford talks about the fact that Miller's contract won't be as pu punitive because the cap's going to go up to 90 to 95 million. Yeah. You know that one? I have okay. one more before that. Okay. Sure. Um, one more for that is we haven't had the opportunity to take those steps. We're stuck with contracts that we can't move until we move those out. Well, you just said you can't. Uh, or until they expire, it's going to be hard to take those steps. Yeah. That, okay. Can't disagree. Yep. That's, that is true. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, yes, he did say, quote, the cap is going to keep going up and up. The cap is going to be 90 or 95 million. That contract isn't going to affect what the Canucks do down the road. Yeah. So, uh, I, Parker, I think you share the same sentiments. It already is affecting the team. I think that's the, that's the first thing because if you're already making decisions, i.e. can't sign Horvat, it's because of this. The other thing is, it's one thing to say the cap's going up by another 10 million in the next five years, and therefore we have space. But remember, every other team also has an increased cap by 10 million, and we're losing our competitive advantage by having a player that takes up eight of that extra or 8 million total so it's one thing to say that you know uh on, on your own in a vacuum that you have more space because that is indeed true but you're losing your competitive advantage so that's why this this quote i wasn't completely comfortable with yeah it's one of those things where like it it, it lowers the bar that jt miller has to play to right uh, yeah because, because an eight million dollar player five years from now uh, is is so much it might be so much different from an eight million dollar player today right it might it might be able to see a six million dollar player today um True. but then jt miller has to live up to that still right he has to be yeah. that you know what would be a six and a half million dollar player today in year six year seven of that contract right which is going to be really hard to do mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and yeah like you said every team gets that same chunk right it's how <laughs> you use it that's how a hard cap works yeah. It's all about cap efficiency to build the best team possible. Um, amen, amen, amen. You got it. And that takes us to Bo Horvat. Oh, yeah. Great. Rutherford saying, I believe we've taken our best shot. 
with the offer we have on the table right now is fair value for what he's done up to this year. We're in a pickle here. <laughs> he's had a career <laughs> run and he's looking for his money. Let's start with the first half. Uh, the uh, We've taken our best shot, which means they're not raising that number. Uh, with the offer we have on the table right now, it's fair value for what he's done up to this year. So they are trying to sign Bo Horvat, assuming that he is a 50 to 60 point player who will score 25 to 30 goals a season. Problem is he has 30 goals already this year um, in a cap year, right? The most inconvenient time for the Canucks. Um but yeah, I mean, if you're the team, you're going to say, well, we can't give you a ton of money based off one year, right? Yeah. But if you're Horvat, you're saying, well, I did this this year. Someone <laughs> will pay me it, right? Yes. So yeah, they are in a pickle. Um, and I think they're making the right move by not, you know, catering to, um, you know, just buying all in on the 30 goals that he scored yeah. and, and saying, well, maybe, you know, maybe you're not the player that you are this year, um, which is which is nice, I guess. I, I hear what you're saying, Parker, and I think, but at least be in a position where you you can make that call with space. Meaning, if it works, great. If you want it to happen, but the connect simply it, it can't happen. He and then he goes on to say that even if they signed him at this deal that they offered that he's reportedly rejected, that would still put them over the cap for next year. So it's just it's just not good. And then when yeah. he says <laughs> he's looking for his money, I know. <laughs> A lot of people, not a lot. I've heard a few people say that that was almost a, a small dig, or or. But uh, to me, honestly, I, I don't think Rutherford is intentionally trying to needle people. I think he's very honest. He's very transparent, almost to a fault, and that that's a change. Then no, no, Benning was very honest too. He just didn't make a lot of sense when he said a lot of things. But the, the fact that he said he's looking for his money, he, the fact that he said pickle and money, uh, looking for his money in the same sentence was was pretty funny to me. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I see, you know, I see a guy saying he's had a career run and he's looking for his money. Yeah. I, I see that as like, yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's what he's got to do. He's looking yep. for his money because he's earned his money. Yeah. Um, I don't see that as a needle in any way. Right. I, mm -hmm. I see that mm -hmm. as like, yeah, you know, he's looking out for himself, which he has every right to do. Yeah, good for him. Exactly. Um, yes. As he should. Right. If I'm in that situation, I'm doing the same thing. Right. Yep. I, I'm going to get paid more to go play somewhere better. <laughs> That's yeah. That's a win-win all around um, for Horvat. So yep. Yeah. Um, and then we get to the good, the good stuff. Quote. <laughs> and this is how you know that Jim Rutherford does not have that history background of of this market. Uh, quote: We're not moving toward a rebuild. I prefer the term retool. Where have you heard that before? Not sure. Yeah. Uh, what, preference yeah. is younger NHL players rather than draft picks. And then he also elaborated to say, uh, which I don't have that tweet up, but he said something like uh, taking shots on guys whose entry level, who didn't work yeah. out on their entry level deal. Yeah. Um, problem is lots of guys who don't work out on their entry level deal. It's because they're not good enough. Yeah, there's a reason why. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and you're basically and, paying for guys who have draft pedigree, but no playing pedigree. Exactly. And, th and that's what, that's what he tried to say as well parker in defending this point is he says he'd rather take a shot on a guy who's 24 25 26 that maybe didn't work out and still might not work out but that's the same as drafting a guy who doesn't work out three years down the road so in essence he's willing to have that risk of a guy not working out but he'd rather have a guy who at least is in the show whether you 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 like that argument or not, that's why he wants to get guys like Ethan Bear and Lane Peterson and, mm -hmm. and these kind of guys. So, yeah, yeah, and those are fine. And again, you need guys like that, right? That Ethan Bear move was great, and mm -hmm. and again, it was one of those ones that right off the bat we could see that it was good, right? This is not this is not hindsight. Everything that we've said here, we've said from the beginning, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, you look at you look at you know those Ethan Bear moves, and again, you do a bunch of those, and and things get better. Um, the problem is also you you know you you make a lot of draft picks, and, and things get better at a different time frame, right? Yeah. It's just it's just rushing. That's all yep. it is. It's, hey, instead of taking shots on guys who are eighteen years old, let's take shots on guy and, and having the control of their development. Let's take shots on guys who are 22, 23. Um, and aren't performing as well as they might be. And mm -hmm. that is great if you are 
if you're trying to, you know, build up a lot of depth for like two years down the road. But if you're trying to build a self-sustaining pipeline of players like that, that you can build a a team that will be good for 15, 20 years, that's not how it works, right? To build a, a system that will last for, you know, you look at teams that have been good for that long, right? You look at how good Detroit was for so long. You look at how good uh, Boston has been, you know, they've been, they've been good as long as I can remember really. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. and they're, and they're still, and they're the best team in the league still like, yes. you know, it's cause they built that self-sustaining pipeline. They always had new guys coming up yeah. uh, and filling in those spots over and over and over again. Um, and it's the, it's the quick term fixes that, you know, we've, we've been in try we've been living in a quick fix for the last eight years, right? Yes. It has not been quick and it has not been fixed. Yeah, and Boston is yeah, exactly. Boston is not a team that was built on reclamation projects. It, you you just can't do that. So, <laughs> oh, and and then I like Doc, what Dogwood said here is uh, it's like he's trying to moneyball the team rather than build through the draft. And and the thing is, um, the thing is, he even said that he thinks he can turn this team around in one or two years. And then when Thomas Drans even pressed him and said, "Well, don't you think it makes sense to go even slower?" And, and take a more patient approach and acquire more picks and do a proper build. And then Rutherford asked, Drant says, well, how long is that for you? And then Drant says, well, at least three years. And then Rutherford, oh, it'll be way faster than that. I don't know how, but that's what Rutherford said. Yeah, it's, well, I mean, remember a year ago, he said it's, it's you know, the cap will be easy to fix and all this stuff. And it's yes. been a year and it hasn't been, Yeah. right? And, yeah. and I think... If it had been a fresh, if he had come in and Jim Benning didn't happen, mm-hmm. right? Let's say, let's say, Jim, let's say the Canucks had just been like a pretty good team, um, you know, had been a playoff team for a while, um, or maybe they had been in a full rebuild and it didn't work out. And then yeah. some new guy comes in and says, no, we're just going to retool. It's just, a, you know, we're going to make some small changes. We're going to bring in some younger NHL players and, and make this work out. Then I think it would be fine, right? I think it'd be like, oh, this is, you know, they're trying something here. The problem is, and, and Rutherford might be better at this than Benning was. The problem is the, is it's, it's the exact same rhetoric that we heard over and over from Jim Benning. It was, Oh no, we can turn this thing around in a hurry. You know, this is a play. This is going to be a playoff team in in like one, two years. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we're just so jaded from having that happen for the last bunch of years and saying like, well, you're just saying the same thing. The last guy did. Right that's that's the problem because i i think back to you know eight years ago when jim benning took over and the first two three years of jim benning i was fine with jim benning i was like yeah he's you know some moves kind of suck but he's doing fine um <laughs> until the beagle roussel um you know that whole debacle like i was like yeah the erickson signing like i mean no one saw him being that bad right and like things like that uh, but then again, it's the same thing over and over and over. Keep saying the same thing. Keep saying we're going to be good in a year. You just got to make a couple small yeah. things here and there. And then we get a new guy and we're like, oh, some hope, some life says the exact same thing. And that's that's the issue. Yes, yes. And and when you speak for 43 minutes, you're bound to get a couple contradictions in there because you simply can't go 43 minutes with the same rhetoric and and go go bad a thousand, so to speak. But isn't it funny, Parker, you led with the fact that he says the Canucks need major surgery as opposed to minor surgery, yet at the same time, he's saying they can turn things in in one or two years, turn things around. Um, I know it's hyperbole, but major surgery would seem to suggest that it's going to take a bit longer to dismantle and, and repair this team. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. Now, do I hope he's right? Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> right. I I <laughs> please prove me wrong. Right. That that's all. And pre, like prove all of us wrong. Do it. Like yeah. I dare you, Jim Rutherford. Turn the team around. Make it good, please. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And then he also said at the end that the Canucks will look to buy out players uh, this summer if they can't move money. Um, I mean, Ekman Larson's one of the candidates for something like that, especially if you're trying to turn it around one two years. Uh, that Ekman Larson contract in years three, four, five uh, of what's remaining is going to hinder that dramatically. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Tyler Myers only one year left at 6 million, right? That's 
you, know, you can survive that because they're not going to be a playoff team next year. But mm-hmm. if you're thinking 24, 25, right, two years from now, um, that you are, right, that seven and a quarter on, on Ekman Larson is going to hurt a lot. So maybe you don't buy him out this year. Maybe you wait, um, you know, because because uh, then it's it's only six years instead of uh, instead of eight. Um, but if you were to buy out uh, Ekman Larson right now or at the end of this season, um, you get a lot of savings in next year really you save eight million dollars next year um and you uh and then you you basically have no cap it on them next year and then you save a bunch of money uh 2024 25 and then the rest is kind of a wash right right you know, and yeah. you have four extra years at two and a half million almost so again if you're not going to be a, a contender next year it's probably not ideal but mm-hmm. maybe next year yeah it's actually not as punitive as i as i first anticipated and the other thing about the the buyouts, Parker, is um, it's funny. Rutherford said two times. He said we're going to make some decisions that are going to be unpopular and that are going to be popular. <laughs> so it's just kind of funny how he, he used that term because is he suggesting that if they are able to buy out someone like OEL or Trade Myers or whatever that um, it's quote popular because it's it's kind of throwing shade at your own players. But I, I get what he's saying is, is they're going to make tough decisions and. And ones that fans will like and not like, I guess, but just the way he worded it, it was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. And then he also, um, he also had the quote of, I thought we were tanking. Yes. Uh, which was kind of funny. Yeah. And then he goes on to say that, um, let's be honest, this is the one, everyone wants the number one pick this year for yeah. obvious reasons. Yeah. <laughs> He's right. I do. I would love a little Connor Bedard in a Canucks uniform. Uh, yeah. That would be a, a sweet way to build a team um, and a very lucky way to, to build the team, um, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. who knows? Who knows? Uh, gave some a quick report on Kuzmenko that they want to. They've started to talk to him. They want to see him here. Also talked about Pullman. Says they don't expect him to play this season, and hoping to get clearer prognosis on his long term outlook so they can make some decisions cap wise. So uh, I added up, and we've talked about almost a dozen different topics there, Parker. <laughs> and we got seven minutes to spare. Wow. Pretty good. Um, should we go to the people? Let's do it. Let's do it. What All do you guys right, think? So, what stood yeah, out to you? Give us your thoughts. Um, maybe I'll throw a poll in the chat too. All right. I will uh, stall while you type that up, although you type very quickly. So, yeah, Parker and I want to know what stood out to you the most from what Jim Rutherford had to say today. Is it just the general tone of retool versus rebuild? Is it something specific he said about Horvat, Boudreaux, tanking? There, I said the word. I can say it when other people talk about it. It's, I don't believe in it, as you guys know, but I'm starting to a little bit. Uh, don't 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 clip that. Uh, so let us know in the chat what really stands out to you for sure. We got some hashtags. Parker, rebuild our Nux, rebuild our Canucks. <laughs> very creative yeah yeah it's uh so uh, the poll is up yeah uh the i said the question is rutherford and the options are bad sad good send help uh so take your pick you got something against uh full sentences or something yeah no it's just it's just it's just exhaustion at this point of hearing the same thing um yeah, I I think the real the real problem the real problem for Rutherford is I just I can't see him having a long term outlook, right? Because yeah. it's yeah. So, it would be you know there was that article that he had with that that Pittsburgh publication last week, mm-hmm. and you know sort of saying like ah you know I don't remember, I don't remember exactly what he said, but like you know there's it's stressful and but if the stress gets too much for me I'll retire, and it's like hey well like what like does he have incentive to you know have the team be good in four years? Right. Not really. Right. Like that doesn't really help uh, at all. Uh, send help is running away with the. Poll, <laughs> so speaking of which, Chris asked about that. He says, do you believe a retool means a rebuild to Rutherford? Saying that, do you think that retool might possibly just mean keeping Aquilini happy without using the rebuild word? No, yeah. I I don't. Um, I, I like the idea there that Jim Rutherford is like saying what Aquilini wants to hear um and sort of you know doing a little wordplay but everything that he said and everything they've done they've done to this point has been exactly what he said right making the team uh or you know like acquiring young players right like there yeah. was the bear trade studnika lane peterson uh like every single thing has been down that pipeline uh 
I don't think they've acquired a draft pick except maybe a no, they traded the fifth. They traded yeah. the second. Yeah, no, they, they. He has basically been doing exactly what he has said he is doing. Wow, wow. No, that's a good point, uh, Jed. No, he did not bring up the Rachel Dory situation. Even if he did, he probably would stay mum on it. I don't think yeah. it, it makes any sense to talk about it right now. But he did not bring it up. Yeah. P- yeah. Peter's asking. Oh yeah, you first. You first. Okay, I forget. I put it up there. Can we trade Parker for Aaron Rodgers and Clay to Tampa for Brady for the rights to Connor? Uh, Parker will fetch a lot. I'm very yeah. confused here. Yeah. Because then, ju- so you're, we're trying to get Rodgers and Brady and then flip them for Bedard. Exactly. I don't understand why that would work. <laughs> I think both of them are on expiring contracts. Yeah, we'll have to figure that one out a little bit. <laughs> um. <laughs> All right. Anything else here? I like Irwin's. Are there any legs to the mishandling of injuries angle, considering the way Petey was injured last year and best of slow return, then thinking about Demko and Pearson? Yeah, you throw in Dickinson saying he, he was not diagnosed. I, I don't think so. I, I think I think it's hard to paint a general picture because every in, injury is individual in the way it's sustained, uh, you know, suffered and recovered. But yeah, you you... I think every team, my guess is every team goes through stuff like this, maybe not to the mag, the magnification of Tanner Pearson's issue, but I, I think every team uh, has to deal with injuries and it's just part of the game. Uh, we just don't like it. I don't know about you, Parker. What do you think? Yeah, I've heard some stuff about like the, this, uh, the golfing doctor guy that the Canucks have on board. Um, Who's that? He's like the, he's like a, a health, consultant i guess for them that they brought on i think last year okay um that has a lot of like i don't know i've heard just kind of like wish you want kind of like snake oil type of stuff um but i again i don't have too much info on that to you know it was something i heard like offhand a long time ago Um, but i'm sure he's worked with he's worked with like john rom so i'm sure he's like doing something right theoretically um but also, like, his focus is golf, but he also works for the Canucks. And it's just a weird, it's a weird mix. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Did not know that. The doctor. The Canucks doc- yeah. golfer doctor. The golf doctor. <laughs> the golf doctor. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, again, I it seems, it's one of those things where it's like, man, so much seems to go wrong injury-wise. Yeah. Um, that it's kind of like, well, it's not a good thing. Um, you know, clearly something's wrong, but who knows? It could just be a bunch of, you know, a, a string of issues. Gotcha. I hear you. Man. Fangirl asked, do you think uh, tribute, video tribute or a moment of silence is more likely? You can do both. I, the video tribute might seem a little soon. I, I, I can see a moment of silence for sure. I, I think what they'll do um, I think they'll do a moment of silence pregame. Yeah. And I bet like intermission or a commercial, they do yes, a video yes. and get the crowd really going. Uh, Cause I think that's, that, that was Gino's thing, right? Like he got the, yeah. you know, got the crowd pumped up and I think that's what they would want. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's the route that they'll go. Yeah. And you can almost see it perfectly right after the land acknowledgement, then they will do uh, fittingly a tribute to Gino right before the mm-hmm. the national anthems that seems to make sense to me as You'll well have the chance going and yep. yeah it'll be yep. good yep very good all right we have 40 seconds <laughs> 40 seconds um rome asks when other teams call the canucks about trades do they ask for alvin or rutherford <laughs> genuinely like it's a like I get that Alvin's not like like you know he doesn't speak That's English good. great and and like he but he's not the one they put in front of the media. Rutherford says he's disappointed in 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 his his work at fixing the cap when theoretically that shouldn't be his job. Yeah, so yeah, like who is who is in charge? <laughs> There's three people that it could be. Yep. Yeah. I think. Uh... Yeah, and it's funny, even, uh, I guess it'd be weird, right, if the AGM comes out like uh, Granado or Castangay right. ahead of Alvin. So, yeah, I don't know if it's the the, mass, the better communicator, the more comfortable. We don't know if it's Rutherford saying, don't worry, Patrick, I got this kind of thing. I like this kind of thing. I don't know. Uh, but I, I do think, uh, in, in seeing Alvin on interviews, he's fine to listen to, but he's certainly not as transparent. He's way more coy than Rutherford yeah. is, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, we've hit 11. 
we we made it through we had a lot of stuff to go over uh wow. folks if you enjoyed hit like hit subscribe do all that good stuff if you missed any part feel rewind back to the beginning you can find it on your favorite podcast platform shortly um clay any parting words on this fine monday evening wow uh big one today uh, big show thank you in terms of numbers uh, Daniel Hammond thank you for the donations we appreciate you overall this uh, there's never a dull moment with this team it's great for us Parker as, as content creators and um, yeah it's got the whole league talking about us for better or for worse so Probably let's see what happens <laughs> we got we didn't we didn't even preview the games Parker we don't have to preview just give me a record real quick give I'll me a record. three I'm going, you know, I have a feeling they're going to roll out something special, uh, as we talked about, that's going to bolster them to at least one win. I'm going to say they beat Colorado on the Friday. So I'm going one and two. I hope not. All right. Uh, <laughs> all right, folks. Thank you very much for watching. Have a lovely night, and we will talk to you next Monday.